Chapter Twelve of Love Insurance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anusha Ayer, Mumbai. Love Insurance by Earl Dare Biggers. Exit a lady laughingly. After dinner, Minot lighted a cigar and descended into the hotel gardens for a stroll. Farther and farther he strayed down the shadowy gravel paths, until only the faint, far suggestion of music at his back recalled the hotel's lights and gaiety. It was a deserted land he penetrated. Just one figure did he encounter in a fifteen minutes walk, a little man clad all in white, scurrying like a wraith in the black shade of the royal palms at a distant corner of the grounds near the tennis courts was a summer-house in which tea was served of an afternoon into this minot strolled to finish his cigar and ponder the day's developments in the drama he was playing as he drew a comfortable chair from moonlight into shadow he heard a little gasp at his elbow and turning beheld a beautiful vision gabriel rose was made for the spotlight and that being absent moonlight served as well under its soft merciful rays she stood revealed the beauty thousands of playgoers knew and worshipped dick minot gazed at her in awe he was surprised that she held out her hand to him a smile of the utmost friendliness on her face how fortunate she said as though speaking the cue for a lovely song i stand here the wonder of this old spanish night getting into my very blood and the only thing lacking in the picture is a man and then you come i am glad to be of service said minot tossing away his cigar what an unromantic way to put it really this chance meeting it was a chance meeting i suppose a lucky chance he agreed she pouted then you did not follow unromantic to the last but as i was saying this chance meeting is splendid my train goes in an hour and i wanted so very much to see you once again you flatter me ah you don't understand she dropped into a chair i wanted to see you to put your conscience at rest you were so sorry when you had to be cruel to me today. You will be so glad to know that it has all turned out happily after all. What do you mean? asked Minot, new apprehensions rising in his mind. Alas, if I could only tell you. She was laughing at him now, an experience he did not relish. But my lips are sealed, as we say on the stage. I can only give you the hint you thought you left me a broken vanquished woman how the thought did pain you well your victory was not absolute let that thought console you you are too kind minot answered and and you are glad i'm not leaving san marco quite beaten oh yes i'm wild with pleasure really that is sweet of you i am so sorry we must part the moonlight the palms the distant music all so romantic but we shall meet again i don't know don't know 
how unkind when it all depends on you you will look me up in new york won't you new york is not so romantic but i shall try to make it up to you i shall sing for you just a little she stood up and held out a slim white hand good-bye mr minot still she laughed it has been so good to know you uh good-bye said minot he took the hand he heard her humming beneath her breath humming just a little i have enjoyed your singing immensely she laughed outright now a silvery joyous laugh in refusing the baffled minot's offer to take her back to the hotel she fled away from him down the dark path he fell back into his chair and lighted another cigar exit the gaiety lady laughing merrily what was the meaning of that what new complication must he meet and solve for his answer he had only to return to the hotel on the steps he was met by lord harrowby's man agitated puffing been looking all about for you sir he announced his lordship wishes to see you at once most important more trouble minot was lord harrowby's gloomy greeting sit down old chap just had a very nasty visitor sorry to hear it little brown monkey of a man manuel gonzale proprietor of the san marco mail i say old boy there's a syllable missing in the name of that paper do you get me you mean it should be the san marco blackmail pretty good harrowby pretty good and minot added to himself for you that's exactly what i do mean gabriel has sold out her bunch of letters to mr gonzale and it appears from the chap's sly hints that unless i pay him ten thousand dollars before midnight the best of those letters will be in tomorrow's mail he's got nerve working a game like that said minot nerve not at all replied harrowby he's as safe as a child in its own nursery he knows as well as anybody that the last thing i'd do would be to appeal to the police too much publicity down that road well his price is a bit cheaper than gabriel's yes but not cheap enough i'm broke old boy the governor and i are on very poor terms shouldn't think of appealing to him we might pawn chain lightning's collar minot suggested never there must be some way only three days before the wedding we mustn't lose on the stretch old boy a pause minot sat glumly have you no suggestion harrowby asked anxiously i have not said minot rising but i perceive clearly that it now devolves on little dicky minot to up and don his fighting armor once more really old boy i'm sorry said harrowby i'm hoping things may quiet down a bit after a time so am i replied minot with feeling if they don't i can see nervous prostration and a hospital cot ahead for me you stay here and study the marriage service i'm going out on the broad highway again he went down into the lobby and tore jack parrock away from the side of one of the omaha beauties mr parrock was resplendent in evening clothes and thoughtful for on the morrow mrs bruce was to give him an important luncheon jack 
minnow said i'm going to confide in you i'm going to tell you why i am in san marco unbear your secrets paddock answered crossing the quiet plaza minnow explained to his friend the matter of the insurance policy written by the romantic jefferson in new york he told of how he had come south with the promise to his employer that miss cynthia meyrick would change her mind only over his dead body incredulous exclamations broke from the flippant paddock as he listened knowing your love of humor minnow said i hastened to add the crowning touch the moment i saw cynthia meyrick i realized that if i couldn't marry her myself life would be an uninteresting blank forever after every time i've seen her since i have been surer of it what's the answer jack paddock whistled delicious he cried pardon me i'm speaking as a rank outsider she is a charming girl and you adore her bless my soul how the plot does thicken why don't you resign you idiot my first idea tried it and it wouldn't work besides if i did resign i couldn't stick around and queer jefferson's chances even supposing she listened to my pleading which she wouldn't children see the very christian martyr if it was me i'd chuck the job and elope with oh no you couldn't do that of course it would be a low trick you are in a hole aren't you five million fathoms deep there's nothing to do but see the wedding through and you're going to help me just now mr manuel gonzale has a packet of love letters written by harrowby in his salad days which he proposes to print on the morrow unless he is paid not to tonight you and i are on our way to take em away from him um but if i help you in this i'll be doing you a mean trick can't quite make out old boy whether to stand by you in a business or a personal way you're going to stand by me in a business way i want you along tonight to lend your moral support while i throttle that little blackmailer ay ay sir i've been hearing some things about gonzale myself go to it they groped about in a dark hallway hunting the mail office shady other ways of journalism commented paddock by the way i've just thought of one for mrs bruce to spring tomorrow in case we fail and the affinity letters are published she might say that harrowby's epistles got in the mail once too often it's only a rough idea ah uh, i see you don't like it well here's success to our expedition they opened the door of the mail office mr o'neil sat behind a desk the encyclopedia before him seeking lively material for the morrow's issue mr ho hammered at a typewriter both of the newspaper men looked up at the intrusion ah gentlemen said o'neil coming forward what can i do for you who are you minnow asked what can it be is my name not a household word in san marco i am managing editor of the mail his eyes lighted on mr paddock's giddy attire we can't possibly let you give a ball here tonight if that's what you want very humorous said minnow but our wants are far different i won't beat around the bush you have some letters here written by a friend of mine to a lady he adored at the moment you are going to print them in tomorrow's mail unless my friend is is easy enough to pay you ten thousand dollars 
lie isn't going to pay you anything. We've come for those letters, and we'll get them or run you and your boss out of town in 24 hours, you draw little blackmailers. Blackmailers? Mr. O'Neill's eyes seemed to catch fire from his hair. His face paled. I've been in the newspaper business 17 years, and nobody ever called me a blackmailer and got away with it. I'm in a generous mood. I'll give you one chance to take that back. Nonsense! It happens to be true, put in Paddock. I'm talking to your friend here. O'Neill's breath came fast. I'll attend to you, you lily of the field, in a minute. You, you liar! Are you going to take that back? No! cried Minnow. He saw a wild Irishman coming for him, breathing fire. He squared himself to meet the attack, but the man at the typewriter leaped up and seized O'Neill from behind. Steady, Bob! He shouted, How do you know this fellow isn't right? Unaccountably, the warlike one collapsed into a chair. Damn it, I know he's right, he groaned. That's what makes me rave. Why didn't you let me punch him? It would have been some satisfaction. Of course he's right. I had a hunch this was a blackmailing sheet from the moment my hot fingers closed on Gonzalez's money. But so long as nobody told us, we were all right. He glared angrily at Minnow. You, you killjoy, he cried. You skeleton at the feast. You have put us in a lovely fix. Well, I'm sorry, said Minnow, but I don't understand these heroics. It's all up now, Harry, moaned O'Neill. The free trial is over and we've got to send the mattress back to the factory. Here in this hollow lotus land, ever to live and lie reclined, I was putting welcome on the match for a fate like that. Back to the road for us. That human fish over in the Chronicle office was a prophet. You look unlucky. Maybe they'll give you jobs on the mail. Remember? Cool off, Bob, How said. He turned to Minnow and Paddock. Of course you don't understand. You see, we're strangers here. Drifted in last night broke and hungry looking for jobs. We got them under rather unusual circumstances. Things looked suspicious. The proprietor parted with money without screaming for help, and no regular newspaper is run like that. But when you're down and out, you know, I understand, said Minot, smiling. And I'm sorry I called you what I did. I apologize. And I hate to be a, a killjoy. But as a matter of fact, your employer is a blackmailer, and it's best you should know it. Yes, put in Paddock. Do you gentlemen happen to have heard where the editor of Mr. Gonzalez's late newspaper, published in Havana, is now? We do not, said O'Neill. But maybe you'll tell us. I will. He is in prison, doing ten years for blackmail. I understand that Mr. Gonzalez prefers to involve his editors rather than himself. O'Neill came over and held out his hand to Minnow. Shake, son, he said. Thank God I didn't waste my strength on you. Gonzale will be here in a minute. About those letters, how inquired. Yes, said Minnow. They were written to a gaiety actress by a man who is in San Marco for his wedding next Tuesday, Lord Harrowby. His ludship again, O'Neill remarked. Say, 
I always thought the South was democratic. Well, said Howe, we owe you fellows something for putting us wise. We've stood for a good deal, but never for blackmailing. As a matter of fact, Gonzale hasn't brought the letters in yet, but he's due at any minute. When he comes, take the letters away from him. I shan't interfere. How about you, Bob? I'll interfere, said O'Neill, and I'll interfere strong. If I think you fellows ain't leaving enough of little manual for me to caress. The door opened, and the immaculate proprietor of the mail came noiselessly into the room. His eyes narrowed when they fell on the strangers there. Are you Manuel Gonzale? Minot demanded. I... I am? The sly little eyes darted everywhere. Proprietor of the mail? Yes. The gentleman who visited Lord Harrowby an hour back. Man, man, you're wasting time, O'Neill cried. Excuse me, smiled Minot. Unintentional, I assure you. He seized the little Spaniard suddenly by the collar. We are here for Lord Harrowby's letters, he said. His other hand began a rapid search of Manuel Gonzalez's pockets. Let me go, you thief, screamed the proprietor of the mail. He squirmed and fought. Let me go! He writhed about to face his editors. You fools! What are you doing standing there? Help me! Help! We're waiting, said O'Neill. Waiting for our turn? Remember your promise, son. Enough of him left for me. Minot and his captors slid back and forth across the floor. The three others watched. O'Neill in high glee. Go to it, he cried. That's Madame Ondit you're waltzing with. I speak for the next dance, Madame. Mr. Minot's eager hand came away from the Spaniard's inner waistcoat pocket, and in it was a packet of perfumed letters tied with a cute blue ribbon. He released his victim. Sorry to be so impolite, he said, but I had to have these tonight. Gonzale turned on him with an evil glare. Thief, he cried. I'll have the law on you for this. I doubt that, smiled Minot. Jack, I guess that about concludes our business with the mail. He turned to Howe and O'Neill. You boys look me up at the De La Pa. I want to wish you bon voyage when you start north. For the present, goodbye. And he and Paddock departed. You're a fine pair, snarled Gonzale when this door had closed. A fine pair to take my salary money and then stand by and see me strangled. You're not strangled yet, said O'Neill. He came slowly toward his employer, like a cat stalking a bird. Did you get my emphasis on the word yet? Gonzale paled beneath his lemon skin and got behind a desk. Now, boys, he pleaded, I didn't mean anything. I'll be frank with you. I have been a little indiscreet here. But that's all over now. It would be dangerous to try any more, uh, deals at present. And I want you to stay on here until I get new men in your places. Save your breath, said O'Neill through his teeth. Your work has been excellent, excellent, went on Gonzale hastily. I feel I am not paying you enough. Stay on with me until your week is up. I will give you a hundred each when you go. And I give you my word I'll attempt nothing dangerous while you are here. He retreated farther from O'Neill. Wait a minute, Bob, said Howe. No blackmailing stunts while we stay. 
well i shouldn't call them that no blackmailing stunts no i promise harry wailed the militant o'neill what's the matter with you we ought to thrash him now and go back on the road howe inquired a hundred dollars each bob it means new york in a parlor car then you will stay cried gonzale yes we'll stay said howe firmly see here pleaded o'neill oh what's the use this dolce farniente has got us we stay only on the terms you name stipulated howe it is agreed said gonzale smiling wanly the loss of those letters cost me a thousand dollars and you stood by however let us forgive and forget here madame on these copy for tomorrow timidly he held out a roll of paper toward o'neill all right o'neill snatched it but i'm going to edit it from now on for instance there's a comma i don't like and i'm going to keep an eye on you my hearty as you wish said gonzale humbly i i am going out for a moment the door closed noiselessly behind him howe and o'neill stood looking at each other well you had your way said o'neill shamefacedly i don't seem to be the man i was it must be the sunshine and the posies and the thought of the road again a hundred each said howe grimly we had to have it bob it means new york yes o'neill pondered but that good-looking young fellow harry the one who apologized to us for calling us blackmailers yes i'd hate to meet him on the street tomorrow five days a lot could happen in five days what are your orders chief asked howe at that moment minot followed by paddock was rushing triumphantly into the harrowby suite he threw down on the table a package of letters there they are he cried i he stopped thanks said lord harrowby wildly thanks a thousand times my dear minot we need you my man has been to the theatre trimmer is organizing a mob to board the lilith board the lilith yes to search for that creature who calls himself lord harrowby come on jack minot said to paddock they ran down several flights of stairs through the lobby and out into the street where to <laughs> panted paddock the harbor minot cried as they passed the opera house they saw a crowd forming and heard the buzz of many voices end of chapter 12 recording by anusha ayer mumbai